Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful opportunity we have tonight to be together in this place. We thank you for the fellowship we have here together. We thank you, Lord, for those who join us tonight who cannot be here with us in person. We pray, Lord, that as we've all gathered in this place tonight, uh, whether in our homes, electronically or physically here, we recognize your wonderful presence with us by your Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in us and fill us. And we thank you, Lord, for the fellowship we have with one another. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you, Lord, that we've had the opportunity for a few moments to sing praise to your name. You are the one we hope for. You're the one we adore. You're the one who fills our heart with joy. You're the one who gives life meaning and purpose. So, Lord, tonight we come to you in these days, and we thank you for each day. We pray that you'd forgive us for our complaining. We pray that you'd forgive us for our unthankfulness, ungratefulness, for all that you have put in our hands and all that you have done for us. So tonight, in the middle of the week, we need another opportunity to just come to your word and to have fellowship with one another around your word and, and allow the Holy Spirit of God to teach us all and all of us, Lord, who are here listening. We all have a set of needs and burdens and we present them all to you now. We ask that you'd help us to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know what's in our hearts. You know what's in our mind. You know what is our motivations. And Lord, we pray that you would see more of Christ in us and less of ourselves in us. So while we have our heads bowed as we begin tonight, these times, we, I'm going to ask you to do what we've done every week. So perhaps the Lord, right now, ask the Lord to put someone on your mind. There are a lot of people that could be on your mind, but let's just pause for a moment. Holy Spirit of God, place upon all my friends who are here tonight, as well as myself, some person that you would like for us to pray for tonight, each of us individually praying for them. We wait now. We ask that you'd show us and immediately put that person on our mind so that we might pray for them. Now we pray God's best for this person, Lord. We pray that the will of God would be done in their life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that they might be saved, that they might walk with God, that they might glorify God in their body, that their life may count for the cause of Christ before the end of their days. We pray these days for the United States of America. We pray that you might carry out your purposes here. Your will be done on earth, in the United States of America and around the world as it is in heaven. We, we recognize your workings and your mysterious ways of doing your work because of your sovereign purposes and goals to be accomplished so that Jesus may come again. So we come in prayer tonight. We come requesting and asking Holy Heavenly Father, that you would do these things because we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be still after a day of busyness, to be still and know that you are God. Thank you for that for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, again, tonight we continue to think about things you need. And those of you, again, that are joining us uh, remotely, God bless you. We're glad that you're here with us. So I hope that you picked up the outline on your way in tonight. So we finish finally now in 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, Peter reminding us of the way in which we can live our lives and be useful and fruitful to God and also to keep ourselves from stumbling back into sin. So tonight... Things you need, things you need, Christian love, Christian love. That's where we'll go tonight. So let's read again in 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 2 to, the, to verse number 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of God and Savior of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason, for these things that he's just talked about. Now, for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love, and if these, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word, and now we ask that the Holy Spirit of God would be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What do I need? I need to live in Christian love. What do I need? I need to live in Christian love. So tonight I ask you to do an evaluation along with me. I, I've put here for you this entire process in 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, that Peter gives us here uh, of this process of being useful in these practices or as he calls them, these qualities these virtues, these graces, as a result of being saved by faith, these are the graces that we must develop in our life. These qualities, these God-like qualities, Christ-like qualities. So how would you evaluate the condition of your Christian love tonight for others? That's, that's really what I want us to think about uh, tonight is how, how are we doing in our love for others? You know, the focus tonight is on this word love. And I've mentioned this to you before, that this list of qualities ends with two very important Greek words that have to do with love. 
in your brotherly kindness, in your Philadelphian agape. That's the way it reads in the Greek language, in your Philadelphian agape. In your brotherly kindness, and we talked about this at length last week. <clears throat> also, supplement love. They're not the same. Brotherly kindness <clears throat> has to do with brotherly care, family care for God's people. Agape love is greater and broader. It is the love that we're to show for all people, regardless of whether they're believers or not. So how are you doing in your relationship of loving those in your family, those in your marriage, those in your at work, those who are your neighbors, <clears throat> those who are in the church? How is, how is the condition of your Christian love? Well, before we go to this in detail and I look at this with you, I want to go back and I want to have you turn to these verses because they're important for us to remember. Let's talk today about the condition of Christian love in the world today. The condition, of, and this is not on your outline, the condition of, the, of, of uh, Christian love today. Well, uh, sadly, uh, Christian love as the Lord, I'm going to use the Lord's words. If you'd like to follow me now, Matthew chapter 24, we go to these amazing words of the Lord describing His coming when the Lord came from the temple and was going away. Matthew 24, verse 1, His disciples were pointing out the temple buildings to Him. And He said that, uh, do you see all of these things? Not one of these stones will be left upon another. They'll all be torn down. And they were by the Romans. The entire temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. Then the Lord begins to talk to them because the disciples ask Him, Tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age. So the Lord, uh, and this tonight is not about Matthew 24 in detail, but it is, the, the Matthew 24 is broken into sections. It describes first the destruction of the temple and those conditions in the early part of 24. Then the time coming after that as the church is being persecuted and going across the earth, and then finally the glorious return of the Lord. And that's what Matthew 24 is about. It has three phases to it and all the rest. However, when the Lord is describing these times of trouble, whether they are the times of trouble that the first Christians faced or even the times of trouble we have now, we read these words beginning in verse 9, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. That's happened and continues to happen today in the world. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be, is a, is to be a hated one because of the name of the Lord Jesus. For we say the only way you can be saved is through Jesus Christ. So because of our exclusive commitment that the only way to salvation is Jesus, there is hatred for us. Perhaps the days will be even worse for us in America. God forbid that, but Perhaps it will be. All these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, verse 8. They will deliver you in tribulation, kill you, you'll be hated by all nations. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. False prophets will arise and will, uh, and will mislead many because, and this is the verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Have the troubles of this world caused you to, the warmth of your Christian love to grow cold? Have you become a cold-hearted Christian? 
Have you become a Christian without love? It sounds almost impossible. But the Lord says to us, because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. Love is the quickest thing to grow cold, my friends. This is very important for us to know. You see, what we need is to express love for one another and to show agape. That's what Peter's saying. It's the crown jewel. We'll see in a moment and remind who's here tonight. We'll remind ourselves of 1 Corinthians 13 and, of course, what Paul says about it and some others. But I also want you to see tonight the condition of Christian love. So for many, I believe today, in the church, among God's people, sadly, there is a coldness in the church, not a warmth, because the, the love of Christians has grown cold. I wish that were not true. But I wouldn't be telling the truth as your pastor if I didn't say that. It's easy for our love to grow cold. What did, what did Paul the Apostle say to us about the last times? You know these verses too, 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> Over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, Realize this, this is for all of us today. Realize this, that in the last days, and these are the last days, this is 2 Timothy 3, <clears throat> verse number 1. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 1. But realize this, this is important for us to keep in our minds, church. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. Irreconcilable. Malicious gossips. Without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The condition of Christian love today, love of self, love of money, love of pleasure, unloving, and no love for others. So it is a very serious time for us as we seek to live for the Lord Jesus. We must make a choice to do these things that Peter has said to us. You see, our part is to participate and work with the Holy Spirit to grow in our own holiness. So let's go back. And as the outline gives you here, I've, I've put the outline in an order to see that this is the, the, the matter here is a supplement. What do I supplement? I'm, I'm saved by faith. Let me say it again. Peter's not saying that you're saved by doing all these things. He's saying that in addition to being saved by your faith, in order to be useful and faithful, you supplement faith, you supply these things, you put with your faith these things in order for usefulness and fruitfulness to come. So just go through the list tonight. Do your own evaluation. First of all, <clears throat> are you living by faith? Without faith, you cannot please God. Secondly, are you living with moral excellence? Are you a person who, and we've, we've been through this in detail, I'm not going to re-preach this to you. Moral excellence. Is there moral ex Is your life described by what you say and what you do? Are you a person of moral excellence? Do you have a growing knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the Word of God is not just something you look at to know, but there is a growing knowledge and an intimacy and an awareness of your relationship to God. How are you in self-control? Do you know how to keep your mouth shut? 
Do you, know, do you know how to avoid sin and step away from it? Keep your eyes from looking at things or your hands touching things? Going places you should not? Is there, are, is you, are, you, are you controlled tonight? Is there self-control in your life? Is there endurance in your life? That's what these days are giving us, endurance. We have need of endurance. Do you have godliness along with supplementing your uh, your perseverance, this godliness that leads, leads to self-control and then godliness, is that true in your life that you have this desire and delight in God and you are becoming more like Jesus Christ. Others see Jesus in you. And then, as we talked about last week, do you care about God's family? Not just part of God's family. Do you care about all of God's people? Is there a love... Is there a brotherly love, sisterly love in your life for all of God's people? And then we come to this, the crown, love. The practices of Christian, of, of Christian love make us useful and fruitful, but let me say this also. There is a special warmth and joy in Christian love. Now I'm going to ask you to turn to these. These are not in your outline, but I want you to look at these with me in your Bible. Go to 1 Thessalonians for just a moment. And there are two verses here uh, as you're turning there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. You need to mark these in your Bible. So you remember Paul the Apostle, the first church, the first letters that he wrote were the letters to the Thessalonian Christians in Thessalonica. He's writing to these Christians and oh, what a joy he has in them because they turned from idols to serve God and to live by faith. There was a joy in their lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 he says, beginning in uh, verse number 12, uh, verse number 11, now he, he's praying here. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. Please notice verse 12, it's so important. And may the Lord cause you, this is my prayer for First Baptist Church. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. And for all people just as we also do for you. Did you see that? Sometimes people will say, well, you know, I think in the Bible it just says I'm supposed to love Christians. No, <laughs> we're, we're to love all people. We're to love those who are our enemies. We're to love those who hate us. We're to love those who despitefully use us and manipulate us. We're to love those who treat us harshly. We're to love those we don't agree with politically. Should I say that these days? We're to love people made in the image of God. But we're also to increase and abound in our love for one another. I love the way Paul put it here. May the Lord, in First Baptist Church, all of you, my dear friends, may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in your love for one another. May there be a growing love in First Baptist Church for one another, and may there be a growing love in our hearts for all people rather than hatred of people because they don't agree or do what we want them to do. Then you read in 2 Peter, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse number 3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as only fitting because now this is beautiful. Your faith is greatly enlarged, what a wonderful word, and the love 
and the love of each other and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. How I hope and pray that will be true in your spiritual life tonight, in your Christian life, all of you. I pray that your faith will be stronger today and tomorrow than it is from yesterday. I pray that your love for other people will be greater and in your faith enlarged and your love toward one another ever growing greater. That includes in my work relationships, my church relationships, my family relationships, my marriage relationships, my friendship relationships, all of them. May we experience this in our life. There's something of a wonderful warmth that comes when we, when we come together and love the Lord. You know, this picture of love is so wonderful for us. It is, Peter describes us as living stones being built into a spiritual habitation of the Lord. But you know what stones, what puts those stones together? I believe it's like love is the glue that holds us together as God's people. Christian love is that which goes all through the cracks and the stones and puts us together and shapes us and holds us together. So the practices, the condition of Christian love is a very serious matter in these days. How much of the Word of God is given to talking about how there's hate, hatefulness and devouring and criticism and attacking and destroying one another in the church. Hasn't changed much in the 21st century is from the first century, has it? You should ask yourself tonight, why is my love grown cold? Why is, your, why is your heart not warm anymore? What is it that's cooled it off? I said this Sunday that the winds of the world will, will blow across your heart and cool it off if you get out there in the world too much. The way you deal with the world will has a... Has a Chilling effect upon your love and your heart. And this is for all of you. It doesn't matter who you are tonight. I'm asking you to truly look at the condition of your heart. Is the love of God and the love for your neighbor growing greater and enlarging in your life? If it's not, then tonight you must do something about it. So we have this, these practices that make us useful. Then we see the promise of when Christians practice these things, and now we come to focus on love. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. It's a very familiar place for all of us here tonight. I want to use it as a point of evaluation. So the word agape, we know it is the word for self-sacrificial love. It actually is a word that has to do with having goodwill toward other people. Or do you have goodwill toward people? I didn't ask if, if, if they deserve your goodwill, because that's not what agape, agape is unconditional. Agape love is that which I do. It doesn't matter what you do to me. Are you listening? It doesn't matter what you do to me or say to me. Agape love is expressed in goodwill to those who are our most bitter enemies. This is the high standard of living for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what He expects of us. It is our duty. It is our obligation to live our lives in Christian love. 
agape. The crown jewel, the glue that pulls us together. So I want you tonight to think about this. Love, here's the way I would describe this. Love is a grace that makes us work for the good of others. Let me say it again. Love is a grace. Love is a grace that makes us work for the good of others. I'm looking at you. I've got to work for your good. If I love you, then I'm going to work for your good. If you love me, you work for my good. This is beyond our family love. It's beyond our relationship. It's what we express to our most bitter, hostile enemy. Though they may not ever let us say it to them, we work for their good. This is Christian love. No greater example than the Lord Jesus Christ who endured hostility from sinners as we've read and talked about at length. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? For the good of the world. For goodwill, for the good of... You see, love is a grace that makes us work for the good of others. You know why, you know why my heart gets... Cold? Because I'm selfish. I love myself. I don't even love God. I don't even love others. I love myself. I'm, I'm preoccupied. I'm absorbed with myself. If you don't believe that, the world in which we live, if you go out on the uh, internet world and look at what people put on all these places where they put things, it's all a big brag session about how great they are or how mad they are. It's all about themselves. This is where we live today. Utter, complete selfishness. Well, I'm not going to work for your good, but I'm going to expect you to work for my good if I'm being selfish. You know, what are you doing for me? I've heard that in the church. You're not doing enough for me. But what are you doing for someone else? This becomes a very important principle. I'm poking at you tonight. I'm staying on this and needling you about this because I think this is very important. I have a burden about this. Not only in my own life, but because I really believe that the condition of Christian love today is at an all-time low. We've decided to take up the way the world does. Just name-call somebody else and hate people. That's what you do, isn't it? You just name-call people, you hate them, and if it really gets bad, you just really... You beat them up and you kill them. I can't do that as a follower of Jesus. I don't have that option. I have a duty to you and you have a duty to one another if you say you are a follower of Jesus to work for the good of everybody else. So, with that in mind, let's go through this wonderful, glorious, unbelievable section of 1 Corinthians and apply it. I'm going to work it through this way. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you now to evaluate these qualities of love, these actions of love and emotions of love, Christian love, agape love. How are you doing in your marriage? How are you doing in your family with your children, grandchildren? How are you doing with, uh, how are you doing at work? How are you doing in the church house here? Let's just pause for a moment. Well, verse number one, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I don't have love, I become a noisy gong. 
If I speak about all these things and if I have this impressive way to talk about God and all the rest, but I don't have any love, it's just noise. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, if there's great knowledge and faith, but I don't have love, it has no value. If I'm one who gives all I have to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, martyrdom and giving, great expressions of Christianity, but I don't have any love in it, it has no profit. So I can be living and doing things as a follower of Jesus. This is the point of what Peter's been trying to say here in another way with his list of moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness. I can do all of that, but what about love? Without love, it all is meaningless and secondary. It's just a bunch of acts. So what is love? Is patient. Love is patient. Love is long-suffering. Long-suffering. Suffers for a long time and keeps suffering. Because love says, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm working for your good. And so therefore, I will be patient with you. That's what you do when your children aren't where they ought to be. Your grandchildren aren't where they ought to be. That's where you, you know, they don't need a good talking to. They need someone to love them and be patient with them. Love is kind. Love is kind. I've said it to this church since I've been here for nine years. Be kind to everybody because everybody's having a hard time. And boy, these days, we're getting a big dose of that, aren't we? I can stand up here and list a lot of things that are going on with our people. A lot of places. They need patience and kindness. That's what they need. You see, when love is a grace that works for others, it works for others in patience. It works for others in being kind. It works for others in not being jealous. Love is not jealous. Are you jealous in your relationships? Is there jealousy? Well, then there's not love. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, and love is not boastful. It's not about ourselves. Love is not boastfulness. It has the idea in it that I am working for your good, so I'm patient with you. I'm working for your good, so I'm kind to you. I'm working for your good, so I'm not jealous of you. I'm working for your good so I'm not boastful. Look what I've done for them. And you go out and write it on the internet and tell everybody what you've done. Well, you know what the Lord said? Congratulations, you got your reward. Check it off, you're done. You've told everybody what you did. Love is not bragging about what you do for your goodwill toward other people. That's pride, that's arrogance. Love is not arrogant, as he goes on to say. It's not, it's not something we do out of pride. Look how loving I am toward everybody. Look how patient I am with everybody. Look how kind I am. Look how, look how, look how, uh, look how I do what I do. How I treat other people. Look how hard I'm working for other people for their good. And love is not rude. 
We need a big lesson on that. You know, there are some really old people in this country who need to remember what their mamas taught them about being respectful. Do I need to say any more than that? And there are people in the church who need to remember what their mamas taught them about being respectful. Well, I didn't get any amens out of that one. Well, thank you, Sid. I got one. Yeah, it's pretty much everywhere, isn't it? Love's not rude. My mama taught me. She Listen to me, mama. I, I know what rudeness is. I know how many times I got my little tail end fixed because of that. Rudeness. Love is patient because love is a grace that works for the good of others. I'm working for your good, so I'm patient. And I'm glad you're patient with me, if you love me. Love is kind, because I'm working for your good. Love's not jealous, love's not boastful, love's not arrogant, love's not rude. And love is not demanding of my own way. If you don't do it my way, I'm done with you. Well, then you're not expressing yourself in love. You can call it whatever you want. Well, I know what's best. You may know what's best, but you're not expressing Christian love. Christian love works for the good of others by being patient and kind, not jealous, not boastful, not arrogant, not rude, not demanding our own way, and not being irritable. Maybe you need to just get a little bit more rest and take a longer nap if you're going to be irritable. I don't know if anybody's told you this, but I'll go ahead and tell you on, for, on behalf of your friends. When you're irritable, nobody wants to be around you. I'm sorry. I love you in Jesus. Nobody wants to hear that. That's why Solomon said, like the dripping of a water from the ceiling, so is a woman who is contentious. Now, he could have said a man, but he, he said a woman. I think he had some experience with irritable women. And women have experience with irritable men. Yeah, it goes both ways. So when you love somebody and you're working for their good, you don't get irritable with them. When are you going to come along? When are you going to change? Well, love doesn't have a timeline. Aren't you glad God hadn't had a timeline on you? I said, aren't you glad God hadn't had a timeline on you? I'm glad he hadn't had one on me. Love does, oh, by the way, love does not keep records of wrongs. Now, let me write that down. Wait just a second here. Wait just a second. This is what I've done. This is what I've done. Look at all, keeping records of wrongs. And you did this to me. And you did that to me. Christian love does not keep records of wrong. And it doesn't say here that it's not a real wrong. It simply means you don't keep the record when you're done wrong. I've said it to you many times. You take all the people's names off the list. By the way, do you have a list again with some people's names on it? Your hate list? Your unforgiveness list? How can you say you love God if you hate people?
Love does not rejoice about injustice. Oh, good. They got exactly what they deserve. Look at them. They're getting their face ground into the dirt. Yeah. No. No. When I love somebody, I'm working for their good, and I am never happy about bad things that come in their life. Love rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. You stay with it. You stay after it. Because you see, love is a grace that makes us work for the good of others. Grace, this graciousness of love, this grace of love makes us work for the good of others. And so I don't give up. The Lord's never given up on us. He who began a good work in us will complete it. Love never loses Faith never, never loses faith. Think about that. Stays with it. And love is always hopeful. You see, love always believes everything. God's going to come through. God's going to come through. Because I'm working for the good of somebody else, I believe God's going to get done in their life what He needs to do. That's when you love somebody, you, all, you never give up, and you never lose your faith that God's going to work. And love is always hopeful. And love endures every circumstance. Endures all things. Love endures all things. Oh, how we could talk about stories and illustrations of people we've known who've gone through and endured great things because of their love for somebody else. You see, there's not a lot of emotion here. We, we found ourselves in this world of, you've watched too many romance movies. This is not gooeyness. This is, this is, this is self-sacrificial love. This isn't, this isn't uh, syrupy emotionalism. No, this is patience, kindness, lack of jealousy, not boastful or arrogant, not rude, not demanding, not irritable, not keeping records of wrongs and rejoicing and having joy, not having joy when something goes bad, but rejoicing in the truth and never giving up and never losing your faith that God is going to work as you love other people and always hopeful and enduring every circumstance. And what does he finally say? Love, verse 8, never fails. You want to do something that will last? You want to do something that will always be successful? Work for the good of others rather than for your own good. 1 John 3.18 Do not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. That's it. Do not love with words, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 3.18 So what are some things that we should consider about the necessity of love? Well, I've just wrapped together here seven different places in the Word of God that describe this beautiful thing of agape love. First of all, the necessity. Love is the perfect bond of unity. There are a lot of people who talk about in the church of being unified, but where there's no Christian love, there'll never be unity. 
So what is the condition of love in your life? How are you practicing or not practicing Christian love? Love is the perfect bond of unity. It completes unity. It ties it together. As I said, it's the glue. It's the bond. Love covers a multitude of sins. When you love somebody and you're working for their good, you know what? Just like the Lord does for us when we fail, He knows that we are but dust. You know the Lord puts up with a lot. Though we cannot perfectly keep the law of God, the Ten Commandments, He knows that there is a sincere desire on the part of the godly to do so, and the Lord loves us. He covers a multitude of sins. Love is the new commandment from the Lord. This is the supreme word. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's the new commandment. Love fulfills the law of God. So if I'm going to obey God, I must, I must obey the Lord's command. And the Lord's command is love. Love. Love fulfills the law of God, Romans 13, 9. Love reveals that we're born again. 1 John 4. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. What does Paul say when he starts the list in Galatians 5? And the fruit of the Spirit is agape. First word, love. And then what does Paul say as he's concluding to the Corinthian church? Do everything in love. Are you doing everything in your life in love? I'm asking you to do an evaluation just like I'm trying to do in my own life. Can you say that everything you are doing, you're doing in Christian love? Well, if you say no, you must put those things and identify them, confess them to the Lord and make it right. Because you see, my responsibility, the thing I need to do to be useful and fruitful to God is to practice agape Christian love. So some things to remember. How sad it is there is so little love on the earth. Oh, so many in their families, so many in churches, so many in the workplace, so much in the world in which we live. Where are those who love God and love others? Where are they? What a joyful place when there's love. What a joyful place. Most of us have had this experience where we've had very little, but we've had love. And if you've had very little, but you've had love, now you know what I'm talking about. I'd rather have a little with love than a lot with no love. It's the old saying, there are a lot of love, there's a lot of love in the huts, but very little love in the palace. Christian love is found in the heart of those who are filled with the Spirit. So if I'm not loving other people, then I must look to see if I've grieved the Holy Spirit. Why, why the Holy Spirit of God is not bringing out of me Christian love. This is very important. Look, we're not just having a little class here. This is about your Christian. If you say you're a Christian, you will express it in working for the good of other people. You will love them. If you do not, you may not be saved. God forbid that you'd come to the end of your days when you think you're going to heaven and end up in hell. I've buried a lot of people this year. A lot of people. 
here one day and gone the next. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Is your life characterized by Christian love? Christian love is the fruit of an abiding relationship with Christ. Where there is faith, there will be love. And where there is hope, there will be love. What did Paul say? These three, they abide. These three abide. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. You know why love is the greatest? I'll give you here. I've put it on your notes. Love is the greatest because it reveals Christ's likeness. Love is the greatest because it, because it is the most useful to others. You see, faith is for me. Hope is for me. Love is for others. That's why it's the greatest. Love is the greatest because it makes the Christian useful. Faith gives me a relationship with God and confidence to trust Him and hope to endure. But to be useful is to be loving. Love is the greatest because it endures the longest. One day I won't need my faith anymore. I go to be with the Lord in heaven. One day hope won't be there. I'll have arrived. And when you get to glory, what is it? It is the glorious eternal experience of loving God forever. If you're not interested in that, I don't think you'll be interested in heaven. So tonight I begin, I end by asking you what I began by asking you. What's the condition of your Christian love? Life, Christian life, is a life of love. The way we have described it here. Perhaps you must repent of allowing your Christian love to grow cold. You're cold-hearted tonight. You've not only left your first love for God, you don't love God, you don't love your neighbor. Or you just love a few of them. The ones that do what you want them to do. This, this is a call to repentance. This is a call to the cold-hearted Christians to allow the Holy Spirit of God to warm your heart again. You know how you warm your heart up? When you repent of your sin, confess it, go to the Word of God, begin to pray, and seek God again and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work. He'll warm your heart again. He'll warm it. Ask yourself, am I practicing Christian love? And finally, practice your Christian love diligently. Now just take it apart. Are you practicing Christian love in your marriage? No matter how long, some of you have been married a long time just like me. That, congrats, you, you're wearing that like a badge. You know, I know some people have been married a long time and they just tolerate each other. They don't really love each other. Now, I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's the truth. There's a difference in tolerating somebody and loving them. What about in your family with your children? They're not doing what you want them to do. Well, congratulations. I hate to tell you this, you didn't do what your parents wanted you to do either. Well, if my kids would straighten up, I'm praying they'll just straighten up. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing in Christian love, as I called it earlier, what is it are you doing to work for their good? That probably doesn't mean giving them more money or... Maybe you need to think about that.
What about in your work relationships? And what about here at the church house? So we've had this very important challenge given to us. For this reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perse perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Heavenly Father, may you give to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. May you give to First Baptist Church. Warm-hearted Christian love among all of our people. May, as Paul said of the Thessalonians, it be true in this church that our love would increase more and more. Forgive us when we have not loved others as you have commanded us to do. We are sinners on this account. We are selective in who we love. And when we do it, we're no different from the lost. Forgive us. May coming out of our lives as we leave this place tonight, repentant hearts, may you warm the hearts of the people of God in First Baptist Church Dixon, in all their relationships, their marriages, their families, their work relationships, their neighbor relationships, and our relationships to one another. So that we might be useful and fruitful and bring glory to God as we wait for the Lord Jesus to come. We praise you, we honor you, we glorify you, and we thank you for the word of God a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and a mirror to show us what's really inside of us. Now may we do the hard work of changing our minds, repenting, and acting and living in Christian duty, the Christian duty of love. May you do your work in our hearts deeply, Lord. We thank you for it. And what a joy it is for us to be together in these days. And what a pleasure it is for us to have the opportunity to study your word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. I hope that you'll be with us Sunday. Those of you who are watching, may the Lord bless you. And so say hello to somebody on your way out. And have a great rest of the week. God bless you.